everyone. I'm Joanne Berry, special educator. And I'm Dr. Candida Fink. And this is Mental Health Goes to School, where a teacher and a psychiatrist walk into a podcast. You hear a lot about teen mental health and how students struggle at school. But accurate and useful information is hard to find. Over the years, Candida and I have had many conversations and learned from each other's experiences. We realize that we need more people in such a critical conversation. Join us as we talk to and learn from educators, mental health professionals, and parents with a wide range of experiences and expertise. I'm all right. It's been raining forever. I know. It feels like <laughs> it feels like we get one day of sunshine and then it rains for another week. So. Um, here in the soggy northeast, Indeed. which we could share it out to some other places. That's right. To places more. that need it. Okay. All right. So today, um, so yeah. So this is we are here. This is uh, mental health goes to school. Yes, I'm Joanne Berry. I'm a special education teacher. And I'm Candida Fink, Dr. Fink, child and adolescent and general psychiatrist. Yeah, we are Mental Health Goes to School. And today we are going to focus on just one small, well, it's not small, but one area of um, one thing that we know people are interested in and concerned about is medications. That's right. Um, and there's tons of them out there for tons of different things. But today we're going to stay focused on ADHD. Right. And we picked that because, I mean, all psychiatric medications in kids are relevant to school, right? Because they're going to have effects in school and how they're used, all of that interfaces. But ADHD is certainly one of the most common types of medications that uh, are taken by children and very specifically affect, you know, directed towards school function. Um, and just as an aside, there are numerous interventions for ADHD that are not medication. So that is not our conversation today. But please to keep in mind, this is just one small part. Treating ADHD is a comprehensive, multidisciplinary, multi-pronged um, way of supporting kids and families. It involves schools, home, you know other uh, therapists like there's just so many other pieces to it but i today because this is specifically focused uh you know we're gonna we're going to focus on the medical intervention so that's that's just a thought to keep in mind and i would just add that when it works it, it can be very helpful absolutely um for the student for other people around yeah. them whether it's the family other students in the classroom the teachers Whoever. And just to pick up on that, I think the most important thing to remember, though, is that we never medicate only for other people. The primary goal of medication is for the child to be more in control of themselves and to have have access to their own skills to succeed. Um, it's never about flattening a child or making them more um, cooperative or polite. That's not the goal. Um, when kids are struggling to do things and do what they need to do, and if ADHD is a particular reason and you me and medication is helpful, which, as you point out, when it works, it can be extraordinarily powerful. And um, but it's 
the goal is always for the child's benefit. Yes, absolutely. It can make family life so much better. Classrooms, they can participate in classrooms so much more, you know, adaptively and everyone benefits from that. But we never use medication for anything but the primary goal of supporting the child. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yes. So why don't we start off with, first of all, what ADHD itself is all and right. what, what that looks like. Right. So um, I want to be succinct because we want to make sure we have time for our main main uh, headline today. But ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a neurodevelopmental disorder, meaning that it's something that um, presents during development, during a brain, as a brain and body are growing. It's related to neuro, neural circuits, related to self-regulation, um, to being able to Pay attention to turn your brain off and on to get your focus where you need it, when you need it, to keep your body where you need it, when you need it, to turn off, to turn on, you know, to to boring and difficult tasks. It is not plenty of people, adults and kids with ADHD, can focus very well on movies or video games. We're talking about the challenges in dealing with the things that require more mental effort, right? And then there's the, and ADHD is the full term there is no technically such thing as ADD anymore. There is ADHD with hyperactivity and impulsivity or ADHD that is primarily inattentive or a combination. And that can change over time. It's not a fixed thing. Can, people can present one way or the other. But so there's primarily inattentive package <laughs> or the sort of hyperactive impulsive package. But it all comes down to these circuits that are about I think of it, I describe it often as a light, light switches or on, off, and dimmer, right? So you have to be able to turn on from off, you have to turn off from on, and you have to modulate depending on the needs of the situation. And that, all of that kind of circuitry, both for thinking, speaking, um, doing, those the regulation of those circuits are all not uh, at the same developmental level as another same age child. Okay, good uh, introduction. And um, typically, uh, I understand that there's a couple of main types of medications that would be prescribed, right. either stimulants or non-stimulants. And maybe it would be helpful to just understand the difference yep. and what, what those do. Right. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Joe. The stimulants versus non-stimulants. Now, stimulants mean, you know, medications that are stimulating. They um, produce a stimulating effect in the brain, which, you know, paradoxically, it appears, on you know, to many people that that's paradoxical, that that helps to calm kids down. Um, but what it does is it improves the, the communication in the circuits that regulate. So you are more able to regulate yourself when the, the, that medication is working. So those are stimulants and people will be familiar with, I think many people will be familiar with the main types of stimulants. There's two main families, the, you know, the old trade name of Ritalin, which is called methylphenidate. And then the other side, which is um, Adderall or dextroamphetamine, amphetamine combinations. Um, and those are sort of the two primary stimulant medications. They work in the dopamine system and the norepinephrine system. They work slightly differently, but they are stimulants. Um, so that 
is different than the non-stimulants, and there's only a few of those. There is a family called alpha adrenergic um, agonists, and there's two of those. One is called Intuniv and one is called Capfe. Those are old-fashioned blood pressure medications that we used for decades without labels, <laughs> without them being on label for ADHD. But they were very good for hyperactive kids. Um, somebody came along and made a long-acting versions of both of the, the, the medications. Guanfacine is Intuniv and Clonidine is Capfe. And so, and then did the research, did the studies, found the benefit in ADHD. And so those are available. Um, they tend to be better for hyperactivity and for attention, but they do have some benefits to attention. And then <clears throat> there's two other non-stimulants that are actually came out of, uh, they grow out of the sort of antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications. They actually sort of related to their roots are in something like Prozac or um, similar kinds of medications, but they work 24-7. These are medicines you have to take every day. Um, they work in the background. You They build up a blood level and they work in a different system and they work in different mechanisms. Um, but they don't have the same stimulating effect. The, one of the biggest differences, the stimulants you take during the day, it has its effect and then it wears off. When you're talking about either family of non-stimulants. Those, as I say, you take them, you build up your level, your concentration in your bloodstream so that then you have a standing level and then it's working all the time in the background. They are not thought to be quite as powerful as stimulants by most people, but they can be extremely effective and um, are a great alternative for people who can't take stimulants or don't want to for some reason. So, so that's basically it. Short-term stimulant versus longer-term non-stimulant 24-7. So the stimulant, you take it and it works until it basically until wears it out of... Yeah. It, it wears off how many of our hours later and the non-stimulants, you just take them all the time. And it's kind of like, okay. Nope. So I think that's that's uh, brings up an important question. So could you, like, I know sometimes people don't take their um, medications on the weekend or when they're on vacations or something like that. Um, is that okay for either or both of these or neither? Or how does so, that work? So it's never okay for the non-stimulant, right? Because they will only, well, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take the guanfacine and clonidine actually off the picture because it's too complicated and I don't use them very much and they're not particularly helpful, especially in teens, which is sort of our, one of the groups. Right. Yeah. So we're just going to take that out. So we're going to talk about the stimulants and then these other two sort of antidepressant origin ADHD meds. And those, because you have to take them every day to maintain a blood level, you never skip days. You don't skip holidays. You don't skip weekends. And it takes a while. So you know, if you stop over the summer and then you're trying to get back on track for school, it'll take weeks. You might, you know, you need to stick with it. The bigger picture, though, I think, is that you have, to, it's an individual discussion when you're talking about the shorter acting, right? So talking about the stimulants that work on the day that you take them, they, for many people with ADHD, kids and adults, you really need it seven days a week because ADHD affects 
everything. It affects getting your laundry done and getting to the supermarket and getting paying attention on a sports field for kids, you know, so it it's not just schoolwork. So the baseline assessment, and I always start with seven days a week, you know, as a standard way to both understand how it affects you, um, especially in the beginning, you don't want to just give it and then send a kid off to school and the parent doesn't get to see what it looks like because it's out of their system by the time they're home from school. So fundamentally, we think of it as a as a, an everyday. That being said, there are many reasons that sometimes kids do not, and you don't have to. So if a child, for example, has a lot of appetite suppression, which is a common side effect of the stimulants, for some kids, it's manageable. They get home and their hunger comes back and they eat a nice dinner and they're fine. But for some kids, it's really bad and we're kind of powering through the week. And then on the weekends, they just eat <laughs> when they don't take their meds. Um, it tends to be younger kids who are still growing. Um, sleep is another common side effect. So we might sometimes, you know, pull back on the weekends. Um, sometimes kids just want to sleep in and they don't want that feeling of being ready to work. Um, and that's okay. We can certainly skip it some days. The challenge is a lot. Sometimes kids will come to this. Well, I'm going to take it when I need it. And for older kids who've taken it for a long time and for adults, I think who have more of a sense of it, sometimes that works, but taking it regularly is really important to be always in the posture of ready to do the work, right? So that you want to be ready to work when you can or to focus when you need to rather than like oh i need to focus i'll take my meds that's not as effective a way to take or use the medication so in general i'm a proponent of taking it regularly at least having some plan to it but there are definitely reasons sometimes we don't take it and it is safe and okay now if you've been taking high doses for months or years day after day after day and you go to none you may have significant withdrawal for a few days. It's not dangerous. It's very unpleasant. You're hungry and tired and cranky, but it will pass after a few days. But, and even sometimes people who just take it most of the time, sometimes even, you know, they take, go off for a weekend or vacation. It's like, oh, I'm so tired and hungry for a couple of days and didn't feel so good. So there is some withdrawal if you're taking it very regularly and skip a dose. The bottom line here is there's lots to talk about with your prescriber and to think about. And it's very individualized, but that fundamentally, I think of it as a medication, as medications that are best used with regularity, predictability, and proactively. Regularity, predictably, and proactively. I like that. And just just to reiterate a thing, it's like you can't just be like, oh, I need I need to be on top of my game. I better take my medication. But right. oftentimes don't take it on the weekend, for example, or um, I have a big test coming up. Maybe I should make sure that I take it, which hopefully you're taking it anyway. Exactly. And, while you're studying, not just for the test, because it's going to yeah, help you. Or, or right. Learn. Not, not just purpose driven for individual things, but That's so exactly. that you are ready and you can get the stuff done that you need to get done without being distracted. Yeah. Um, and yeah. those sorts of things. So, so the, I think that's great advice and something. And of course, like you said, when somebody's been taking something for a while, you're a teenager and you do want a break 
maybe you would like to eat more right, exactly. you're feeling like, like you're behind on that or, so, or whatever Absolutely. it is. Uh, some kids just or, hate that feeling and they just, just yep. like, please like, make, let me eat on the weekends. I'm like, of yeah. course, of course, of course, but let's just figure out how that's going to work in terms right. of what you need. But that's a long, you know, that can take a lot of time and that's really an ongoing conversation, which reminds me, we should have said at the top of this, anything we talk about here is not medical advice. Right, <laughs> I am right. a doctor. I am not your doctor, probably. Um, so anything we talk about here is just general information, general advice, not advice, general ideas about medication and how they work. You need to anytime take these thoughts or questions and take them to your prescriber because fundamental to any decision-making about medication is an ongoing communication conversation with your child's provider, with your own provider to, you know, because it, and whatever you decide, it may change in six months, a year, right? It, right, right. Yeah, well, especially as Not people are, are still growing and exactly. different things are changing in their bodies and, and, and their mind, all, all the things. Great. Good reminder. So one of the things I know plenty of people are concerned about with any medication that they mm -hmm. might take um, would be what are the, the typical side effects from taking these medications. Right. So um, so I alluded to them a little bit, um, talking about, you know, why people might not take them. So the most common side effects of the um, stimulants, because they are stimulating, is, are problems falling asleep, um, feeling kind of agitated or activated. Um, even though it may help with your focus, may help your brain quiet, your body may feel sort of jittery or activated, and decreased appetite. Um, so sleep and appetite are the two most common. We see that pretty universally, but it's very individual uh, individual response. So some people are very sensitive to those side effects. Some kids don't notice it at all. So, but those are common, manageable, reversible, usually manageable by dose changes or type of medication changes, timing changes. There's lots of ways you can manage it. Um, look, there are some kids who can't tolerate those things and they're just not eating at all or they're not sleeping at all. And so they can't, but those are very, very common. Um, jitteriness, one thing, sometimes serious mood side effects. Certainly there can be, for some kids, a small subset can feel very uh, weepy or angry or irritable or explosive, um, in ways that they weren't or worse than their baseline. So that's something we always watch for. Um, <clears throat> heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, which is usually fine. Healthy kids typically have, um, you know, the range of increases usually not problematic, but we do always check um, before starting stimulants. There's any family history of uh, rhythm, arrhythmias or rhythm problems in the heart, or if the child themselves has any rhythm problems or has fainted ever while exercising. Okay. So there's some screening questions that you ask. Um, so cardiac side effects are rare, but um, for certain kids, certain medical conditions, it's something we have to pay attention to. Um, and extreme and rare psychosis, you know, very rare, but can happen. So important just to mention that, you know, I've seen it a handful of times in my career uh, for a long time, but, um, but it can happen. Kids who may be vulnerable in other other ways. So those are the those are the big ones, the ones that we that's the stimulants. The non-stimulants tend to kind of go the other way. They make you a little sleepy. Um, 
Nausea is not so uncommon. The two names of medications, there are really only two in that family. One is called the name brand is Stratera. The generic of that is atomoxetine. And the pretty new one, which is um, veloxazine, uh, Kelbre or Kelbri. And Stratera can make you pretty nauseous for some people, um, but not everyone. That family, both of those medications, the, the risk that we watch for, the most important risk that we watch for is uh, a paradoxical response. So going the wrong way, looking extremely agitated, not sleeping at all, potentially even looking manic um, or extremely agitated and in extraordinarily rare circumstances, but sometimes suicidal thoughts. So it, it be, because they come out of that family that works and they work in the mood system, that whole package of side effects that we talk about when we talk about SSRIs and other antidepressants, it's the same package. It's not most, it's a small number, but we are always careful. Um, you know, usually <clears throat> we're thinking about things in kids, especially starting low, going slow, because you're going to monitor for those. And once again, communicating with your practitioner, your provider is most important. So, so that's a, it's different family side effects. Um, they look different, but that's sort of the general, kind of the, the top ones in both families. But obviously something that um, students and their families and providers would be on the look, just like if yes, you so. start experiencing this, let us know ASAP and we'll, yes. we'll work on this. Maybe exactly. this isn't the right med for you. Right. So, so okay. I would say... Yeah. Once again, not a. I'm certainly not a doctor, but I would say if if somebody started taking one of these medications and was experiencing some of these things, definitely let your provider know and um, right away, right away. See, see what adjustments might be appropriate. Right. Um, and just as an aside, not an aside, an important comment since I did use the word suicide, I want to just make sure to know that people to know that there is always help. You can always call or text 988, reach out to your provider, reach out to someone. If those thoughts are coming up for any reason, they're coming up from these medicines or any reason, I just want to make sure to mention that while we're here on the Right. Topic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always a good point. So the age range of folks that we're thinking about most as students are often either thinking about learning to drive, already are learning to drive, and may in fact have their driver's license. Um, so there could be some things they should be aware of if they're um, taking these medications uh, related to safe driving. Yeah, there's some research that shows that, you know, young drivers with ADHD do have a higher rate of accidents, fender benders, and more. Um, and that if they are taking medication for ADHD, that they should take it when learning to drive and when driving. So when we were talking about sometimes kids will skip meds on the weekends, you know, not necessarily take their stimulants on the weekends. You have to be very careful because if you're going to be driving, you want to make sure that they have their stimulant on board. Driving is a very attention demanding task. And especially these are young kids who are new drivers and experienced drivers. So their attentional circuits are being, you know, really charged up. They're having to pay a lot of attention to a lot of things at once. So I do have that conversation with parents um, and teens when driving comes up. So it's, you know, it's again, that's not a 
the same for everybody. It's different and not every teen is taking medication for that and not every teen needs it, but it is an important conversation to have about driving and ADHD and medication. Agreed. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The next item on our list, um, as we're working our way through some of the, the things that we think are important for people to know about this type of medication is uh, maybe the types of interactions that could happen. And there's a, a long list, which I'll, I'll say, is. and then we'll work our way slowly through. But somebody might be on other prescription medications for any number of reasons. And it might yeah. be a temporary one, like if you, I don't know, got an infected toe or, <laughs> or something that you have to take all the time. It could be over-the-counter medications. Mm -hmm. um, it could be alcohol. It could be marijuana. could be caffeine. And that has a large number of ways that presents itself caffeine that that is a, attractive to all to many people let's just but say that, but a lot of the high dense high intensity caffeine drinks are very specifically marketed at youth um things like you know the monster drink and celsius i think is one of the new ones or whatever they're I can't keep up that. really marketed to kids and very high caffeine doses right red bull any of the five hour any of those. So what, what would that look like if, if somebody was being diligent about taking their ADHD med and then um, had, say, more than one of these high caffeine drinks, which which is, I think, not yeah. out of the realm of possibility that somebody might in a in a relatively short amount of time have a couple of super large um, coffees from Starbucks or a couple of Red Bulls. Um, what would that look like for somebody doing that? So um, you, we'll start with caffeine because it's, you know, it's very available and lots of teenagers, um, as we were saying, drink caffeine or partake of it. And stimulants raise your heart rate and your blood pressure. But, you know, most notably, what you're going to notice more is your heart rate. Caffeine raises your heart rate and your blood pressure. It does not feel good for someone, for many people who take stimulants and then have coffee or monster drink or whatever. So um, I have certainly had worked with many kids who are like, I, I hate this medicine. It doesn't feel good. And it turns out they're drinking two venti Starbucks a day while also taking their Ritalin, for example, or Adderall. And so we have to make sure to have that conversation over and over that it is an interaction. It is uh, it can be unsafe at very high levels, right? Because you can, caffeine can be very dangerous at high levels. And if you've already got a stimulant and you're raising your heart rate or in a vulnerable child who already has some arrhythmia or something. So it potentially can be very dangerous. It's mostly just really uncomfortable, right? So strongly recommend if you're starting stimulants in particular to hold off on the caffeine uh, for a little while till you know how it makes you feel. And then if you want to introduce small amounts, you can, but stick with non-caffeinated stuff um, while your stimulants are active. And, and the good thing about, like, if you find yourself in that situation, it will pass. Yeah, it will pass. Yeah. Drink, so drink, drink some more water and um, it will work itself out of your system. So it's not right. like a it's permanent, not permanent condition. It's not permanent, but it's it can be miserable for the time. Right. Yeah, that does not you know, sound The school nurses, we talked to the school nurse, a wonderful school nurse on our last interview, and school nurses are very familiar with kids coming in with high heart rates. And it turns out 
that's yeah. what's going on. So all of that. Um, um, so other interactions. So prescription meds, there's so many others that the most important thing I can say is talk to your doctor, right? Like when you're meeting with your psychiatrist or nurse practitioner or pediatrician, whoever is prescribing, and we're talking about stimulants here to start. Well, actually, uh, either of these medications, either family of these medications, the non-stimulant, the Stratera or Kelbury, or the stimulants, you must talk to your doctor about any other medications you take before they prescribe, or if you've been taking stimulants and you go to the doctor and need something else, you know, for any reason, asthma or gastrointestinal thing, but anything, an infection, most interactions are fine, but you absolutely need to talk to your doctor about it. So because that's such a broad range, it would be hard for me to say anything specific, but make sure... Um, sometimes pharmacists will catch stuff, which is great too. So pharmacists is a right. good person to ask. Yeah. They're a great part of that connect, of that chain. Um, non sort of over the counter, I would similarly recommend talking to your prescriber um, because again, there's a lot things I specifically advocate against. One with stimulants is do not take decongestants while you're because it increases heart rate. So you know there was just all that. Finding that phenylephrine, a, a decongestant, is ineffective. Um, so that one probably doesn't matter. But the actual ingredient of name brand, the original Sudafed, Sudafedrine, which is effective um, for decongesting, it's non-sedating, but it increases heart rate and blood pressure. I would strongly recommend. I, I say, look, if you're sick enough that you need to be taking that, <laughs> you know, you probably should hold off on your stimulants. If you absolutely need it for another medical reason, let's talk to the doctor who's prescribing it. Um, so Sudafed or Sudafedrine, definitely watch out for. Um, for the other family, for the non-stimulants, we're cautious about some cough medicines um, and anything that's sort of sedating, we're going to be cautious with, with any of these medications. So um, supplements, I encourage people to talk to the doctor about because some supplements contain things, things like quote unquote natural stimulants uh, um, that are just as stimulating as the prescribed ones. Right. So it's, you know, just because it's natural. Still, it still it, says stimulant. Still right? says stimulant and it can be very stimulating. It can be dangerous. So if you're going to start a stimulant, like, you know, sometimes young kids want to take supplements for bodybuilding or weight or that kind of thing. Please, please, please. I have my kids take a picture of the bottle and the ingredient list and, and send it to me so I can take a look at the specific ingredients. If it doesn't have the ingredients listed, I say, find one that does, <laughs> right? Don't take right. something. That yeah. doesn't have the That's just good advice well, in general. You know, there's a lot, unfortunately, they can get away with a lot yeah. as nutrition supplement. Um, so, and bodybuilding stuff in particular, there's some of these things for getting cut, um, sort of muscle bound, you know, really sort of muscle building oh, right. yeah. that you want to be very, cautious about i've had a couple of experiences with that you know causing some problems with stimulants so again anything you're going to add to the mix please be sure to talk over with your prescriber alcohol i think is last but certainly not least well alcohol and um marijuana both so alcohol and stimulants are not a good combination you know i encourage you to talk to your doctor about it i do not want my 
you know, talk to my patients a lot about not having going for to parties and drinking alcohol within certain hours after they've taken their stimulant, like on a Friday morning, or if they're going to be tailgating all day on a Saturday, you know, not taking your stimulants in the morning. Um, so that is a very specific conversation to have. And also, since we're a teacher and a doctor, we have to say, of course, if you're under 21, it's not legal. No, no judgment here, just pointing out Right. That we're not recommending any of no. this stuff. Just just want people to have the information. Excellent points. Alcohol and cannabis, marijuana in young brains have all kinds of risks. That's another conversation for another day, but really significant risks. So we would never encourage either of those in young brains, um, young people. That being said, being aware that young people do partake of these substances, being smart about it and knowing, being careful and cautious about anything else you're using or taking is really important. Um, cannabis is a depressant, um, so you need to be cautious with that, in particular with the non-stimulants. But just in general, if you're taking stimulants to wake your brain up, but someone is smoking a lot of marijuana and their brain is very suppressed, it, it can be very... It can... It's not so much a side effect as it can sort of take away the benefit of the stimulant if you've quieted your brain so much with cannabis. So um, so you shouldn't be doing either under 21, but if you are, you need to, again, speak to your doctor. Do not be afraid to bring it up. I think that's probably what's most important here is I want you to talk to your provider, whether it's, again, nurse practitioner, psychiatrist, pediatrician, whoever's prescribing for you. Do not lie, please, I beg of you, don't don't omit information about what you're taking, you know, or using. If you're using alcohol, if you're smoking uh, marijuana or partaking of it in some form, if you are using supplements for bodybuilding, please let your doctor know. No judgment, no judgment, but we can't help and give you the most important information unless we know what's happening. So to safe space, doctors do not have to reveal that to your parents unless we think there's a life-threatening emergency going on, you know, where we feel like it's a very high risk of harm to you. There's a safe place to talk about those interactions, to make sure your doctor knows about it. So please um, let your doctor know um, so you can talk about what's safe, what's not safe. Right, right, exactly. Very good. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think I think we've we've covered the basics mm -hmm. of of what we had intended. And certainly, if people have any questions, right. you can um, reach us through our website, mentalhealthgoestoschool.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Yeah, um, which we are, you know. Open, open to suggestions, yeah, uh, follow, questions. Up, follow up questions, new topics, topics that we haven't yet covered. And keep in um, mind, guests. General, guests, yes, ideas for guests, please. You know, that'd be great. If someone you've heard speak or you know has some great ideas or interesting, you want to be part of the conversation, you, you yourself do, let us know. We really want to hear from you. So, yeah, I mean... This is tough. This is a lot of material to cover in 30, 40 minutes. So, um, you know, again, once again, I'm your doc. I am a doctor, not your doctor. Uh, so talk, 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 talk to your doctor. Um, yes. about any I'll, of these. I'll, I'll second that. I am not a doctor at all. 
<laughs> but I certainly want um, young people to be able to achieve their best potential. Right. And and the way you can do that best is to work with your healthcare providers, yeah. your teachers, your families, who, yeah. whoever, whoever I, can help I, you um, become your best self. It's the village and, model, for sure, that ever, you know, yes. this is not something we don't, you're not alone with this. And, um, you know. Let's put together the team, work with your team that's together at your school, at home, your doctor to help you uh, thrive because ADHD does not mean you can't thrive and succeed at, at tremendous levels. So um, that it is not in any way going to, um, you know, prevent you from getting where you want to get, but it'll take some, some work and problem solving. So that's what we do. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, find us, like us, follow us, all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next on the next podcast. See you next time. <laughs>